You're listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation and law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Hello, and welcome to the Wiley Connected podcast. I'm Dwayne Poza. I'm here with my colleague, Jackie Ruff. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest regulatory developments on artificial intelligence and machine learning. There's actually a ton of activity going on around the world in which stakeholders, which includes governments, industry, researchers, are trying to figure out whether and how AI is going to be regulated. In many ways, I think we're at a point now where we were a few years ago with big data and privacy, uh, where regulators are trying to figure out what, if any, problems there were and how to approach them. And lo and behold, right on cue, Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany just suggested that countries should adopt a GDPR-style approach to AI regulation. So today, Jackie and I are going to give an overview of what we see as the most important developments, uh, both in the U.S. and internationally. I think it's uh, important to say at the outset that AI can be used for many different purposes and across a range of sectors. Uh, this is not at all an exhaustive list, but those would include voice assistance, autonomous and semi-autonomous vehicles, smart homes, medical diagnoses, financial decision-making, including credit decisions and robo-advising, and network optimization. And uh, very much in the news lately, facial recognition. So there's a bunch of things that AI can apply to. And one threshold question uh, that we'll be talking about today is whether countries are going to adopt a one-size-fits-all approach or one that's tailored to individual sectors. I think we'll see, as we talk about this uh, in the U.S. and other countries, there's been an openness to adopting some principles and standards across sectors. At the same time, in certain areas, um, like AI-powered facial recognition, um, lawmakers and regulators have pushed for more swift and sector-specific action. So we'll start by taking a look at global developments around policymaking for AI. Jackie is an expert and a veteran in dealing with international approaches to tech issues. So Jackie, what is the current landscape internationally on AI? Well, it's, it's exciting, and a lot has been happening quite recently. We're seeing really an acceleration of the activity and adoption of public policy recommendations. Over the past few months, several leading global intergovernmental organizations have issued public policy frameworks for AI, typically uh, with input from a range of experts and stakeholders. So these are intended to be models for use by governments and other parties around the world, which could involve adoption of legislation and or regulations. The first intergovernmental organization to act was the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which adopted its set of principles for trustworthy AI. These were adopted at the committee level in March. A lot of work went into this, consensus building and so on. And then they were finalized as a recommendation at the highest level of the OECD Council in May. It's important to note that these establish expectations for all actors in the AI system lifecycle, including those that deploy and operate AI. So it goes far beyond those that are developing the software and the systems. The next step for the OECD is to develop practical guidance on ways to act consistency, uh, consistently rather, with these principles. So they're in five topic buckets. The first is inclusive growth, sustainable development, and well-being. The second is human-centric values and fairness. Third is transparency and explainability. Then robustness, security, and safety. And finally, accountability. I just uh, put those out there because you'll see very similar themes coming through in different places. In June, 
this was followed by the G20 adopting its human-centric approach to AI, which expressly draws on the OECD framework. So you can see the kind of dynamic going with that. So the OECD has been busy. Um, why is what it's been doing so significant for AI? Well, the OECD is highly regarded as a source of evidence-based policy exploration and recommendations. Among its 34 members, there are a number of key countries. They're large economies, small, but they're, they tend to be sort of policy drivers. And non-members take its work seriously as well. In this case, on this issue, six additional countries have committed to adhere to those principles. Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Peru, and Romania. And the OECD has a strong track record as a policy influencer. If we look at uh, privacy, you were talking about the G GDPR earlier, the OECD was really the first one as long ago as 1980 to sketch out the privacy principles that have really been foundational for almost everything afterwards, including the Asia-Pacific privacy framework. Now, that's the importance of the OECD. There are, of course, regional and national initiatives underway, and uh, a significant one in the regional space has been the European Commission that's uh, conducted an extensive effort to develop ethics guidelines for trustworthy AI that were released in April. Now, their implementation guidance is occurring in part in an interesting way through a pilot that began last month that uses an assessment list in which participants report on 130 detailed questions as to what their practices are in this area so that they can be measured against the recommendations. Now, like the OECD, the scope of the framework is broad. It applies to all that develop, deploy, and use AI. So uh, a lot of action on the policy front. One key question here is, are these policy initiatives likely to lead to regulation by individuals? I think there are three factors that do uh, point in that direction. Um, now, it doesn't mean regulation for everything, but that there will be some regulatory parts of these approaches. So first, we know that new regulation is actively under consideration. As you correctly highlighted, uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel recently called for it. That, was, that uh, got quite a bit of attention. The OECD and its works has said that governments should review policy and regulatory frameworks and assessment mechanisms as they apply to AI systems to encourage, in their case, they say to encourage innovation and competition for trustworthy AI. And recently in the EC context, the European Commission, their high-level expert group published a report on policy and investment implications that included a section on possible legislative and regulatory changes. I'd also note that the International Telecommunications Union, that's the UN organization, is quite active around AI and has debated proposals for several years that would regulate many aspects of AI. And national regulators often see the ITU as a source of models for national action. I think the second factor is that we are moving into a more detailed phase of implementation of the broad recommendations. So it's this confluence of the calls for regulation and the policy shift to the more practical area. And in this context, it's very important to develop public policies that will work well and that will preserve the ability to innovate along uh, with other important societal and economic values. 
like with other emerging technologies, uh, it's, it's very valuable to assess how far we can get with existing approaches. If you think about privacy, security, non-discrimination, um, you know, build on what we have that does seem to work well. And then finally, I think there's a third dynamic at play here uh, about the possibility of global frameworks being roadmaps for national regulators. This is an area in which exchange of ideas and other collaboration among countries is recognized as valuable. And it occurs regularly. Uh, it was a hearing uh, a couple months ago at the Federal Trade Commission um, on its role in a changing world. And AI was the case study that they chose. It was seen as very timely. Panelists included experts from other countries. And the interest in heightened collaboration was emphasized. So you have all these things coming together that I think makes it important to think about the possible regulatory uh, implications here. And the U.S. certainly has been involved in helping to shape this dialogue that's going on internationally as well. Um, and at home, uh, the U.S. has taken some steps to move forward on its own AI priorities. In February, there was uh, an executive order released on AI, which did a number of things. Uh, the one that I want to talk about a little bit today is that it directed the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, which is part of the Department of Commerce, to put together a plan for federal engagement on AI standards. And it gave it a six-month timeline. So the federal plan from NIST is due in early August. That's a very compressed time frame. Uh, the agency held a workshop in May. It put out an RFI for public input with an early June deadline. On July 2nd, it released a draft plan for public review and comments are due July 19th. So you might ask, what is NIST doing on AI standards? Well, NIST plan is not necessarily a set of standards, but rather a plan for the development and use of standards to support what the executive order calls reliable, robust, and trustworthy systems using AI. Essentially, under the executive order and what NIST is doing, it's trying to find ways to incentivize uh, the development and production of what it believes to be trustworthy AI. So NIST received around 90 comments in response to its RFI. Interestingly, there wasn't as much engagement from certain sectors as you might expect. The financial services sector, for example, was not as focused on the NIST framework as many other industries. But uh, NIST has considered the comments and come forward with its plan. And I thought I'd summarize some of the key issues behind it and what we're watching out for as NIST takes the lead in moving forward on AI standards. The first question is, what will the standards address? So at the workshop, the participants debated whether or not AI standards should be sort of purely technical in nature or more substantively tailored in some way to facilitate oversight or governance. This is the difference between what you might call operability standards like you would use for procurement specifications or supply chain management and what you might call governance standards, which would tackle the more meaty substantive issues like explainability or uh, data reliability requirements. So under the plan, NIST is moving towards addressing standards that reflect both of these poles. Uh, there's an overall sense that the standards that are developed in certain areas could have the potential to be the building blocks of potential regulation. So for example, to the extent that there is a regulatory framework around explainable AI, which is the idea that uh, the decisions that an AI process makes must be explainable in some way to humans. 
so that humans have an understanding of why decisions were made. A standard could form the building block of uh, to what extent something has to be explained, how it would be explained, if it could be explained at all, and sort of put meat on the bones around what you'd expect as a regulatory framework. Now, explainability is one of the different kinds of standards that NIST addresses. It separates the standards that it's looking at as sort of more primed for development, as it puts it, and ones that are in the more formative stages. And the ones that are more primed for development, that includes things like data management, data analytics, data quality, privacy, and what it calls human interaction. Others it considers to be at more formative stages are AI safety, risk management, explainability, and security. So you can see that NIST has already sort of uh, set out an outline of the different kinds of standards that it's focusing on and the ones that it thinks it need more research and more in the, in the way of public-private partnerships. So the second big issue I'm looking at is, that we're looking at is, who's going to drive standards development and what is NIST's role? NIST suggests that most of the domestic engagement on AI standard setting will be driven by individual agencies with the central coordinator at the National Science and Technology Council. Now that might suggest that you would see different standards and different expectations emerge at the level of different agencies. For example, you might see certain kinds of AI standards around autonomous vehicles, uh, even though that might not necessarily apply in a different agency. Uh, at the same time, the NIST draft plan also raises the possibility that certain of these standards could be cross-sectorial. So how would that work if you have different agencies developing their own standards and have this idea that there should be some sort of agreement on the kinds of standards in certain areas across sectors? We'll have to see how that develops. Obviously, NIST sees a role for some coordination through the White House, and it definitely is going to be something that we'll keep an eye on and will take time to evolve. One thing that it does emphasize, or NIST does emphasize, is that the private sector can be incentivized to incorporate the standards that are being developed, even if they're not regulatory. So one way this would work, for example, is through government procurement contracts. So for example, if certain agencies like the Defense Department have certain standards that are incorporated into their requirements for the contracts, that could drive certain standards being adopted, even if there's not a regulatory approach. The last piece that we're looking at is what the substance of the standards or even regulation would be. So initially, I'd flag that there's a role just for clearly defining the concepts here. We sort of skipped over this at the beginning, but some might wonder, what is the actual definition of AI? And I think it's pretty clear that there are multiple different kinds of definitions. Folks generally think that there's a core concept there. NIST isn't attempting to define it outright, but there's a role for NIST and agencies to define clearly what is AI, what is machine learning, what does it mean to have explainable AI or trustworthy AI, are these concepts that are embedded in the executive order. In terms of the factors that should guide standards development, NIST draft is relatively focused on the need to adopt flexible standards that would have industry input and also be mindful of innovation. So the plan recommends that U.S. government agencies prioritize AI standard efforts that are inclusive and accessible, open and transparent, multi-channel, consensus-based, and globally relevant and non-discriminatory to all stakeholders. It also recommends that standards be innovation-oriented, developed both within and across domains, have a clearly stated intended user design, address the need to monitor and manage AI systems throughout the product lifecycle, as uh, Jackie was talking about, reflect the early stage of AI development, 
be regularly updated to reflect the rapid pace of change in AI, be effective in measuring AI system performance, and also be human-centered. So that's a lot of different factors that are going to go into standards development. And the NIST plan lays out a framework for developing them without calling for, as I mentioned earlier, any specific standards at this point. The last piece here that I think gets into whether or not and how standards become potential regulation is that NIST flags what it calls a host of legal, ethical, and societal issues around AI. And it suggests that these kinds of even ethical issues might be incorporated into standards under certain circumstances. I think this is more controversial and it remains to be seen how that would play out. There has been, for example, some consideration around the use of facial recognition technology, which has resulted in various um, actors, including the city of San Francisco, um, taking regulatory action on uh, use of facial recognition in some circumstances. So you could see that at least for some instances of AI, there are considerations beyond just standard setting that are leading already to some more sort of regulatory approaches. So with that, I think we can talk a little bit more about what's going on on the international side and how that relates with some of the substantive issues um, that I was just discussing that are going on domestically. So Jackie, is there a specific angle you're focused on on the international front that you think relates to how uh, these standards and regulations on AI will develop? The main thing I'm thinking about is that as these principles are built out and expectations of practices are being developed, it really is a key time for businesses of all types to become involved. Um, we, we've talked, both of us, about the, uh, the thought that the responsibilities run throughout the AI system's entire life cycle. And there are plenty of opportunities for engagement whether it be directly in these global organizations or it be with uh, agencies of the U.S. government that are active there in turn, like the OECD and the G20, where the U.S. government is, is very engaged. I think governments are eager for input, right? It's not a, a situation where one should feel shy of trying to talk with them uh, because the, the aspirations are widely held, right? The desire to avoid discrimination, to ensure a human-centric approach, to look after transparency and appropriate accountability. But many of these aspirations are complex and to implement, and they would very much benefit from business view viewpoints. So I would just emphasize that it's, it's a time to try to engage, and it may be that there's a business that thinks it's not very relevant to them because they aren't creating the software. But in fact, ultimately, it could be. One of the ideas that was uh, thrown out in the most recent uh, paper that came out in connection with the European Commission is that perhaps for the private sector, there should be a mandatory obligation to conduct AI assessments and stakeholder consultations. And so that means that since there's being an assessment system tested, that it probably makes some sense to look at that and think about if that were to be adopted as mandatory, does it work? Is it the right way to go? And get some good ideas in sooner rather than later. Right. I, I agree that there is certainly a room and need for industry engagement on potential AI standard setting and regulatory approaches. For example, just the idea of defining what the potential issues are or understanding how AI is actually used is going to be so critical for laying the framework 
for how any standards are adopted or, or any regulation is adopted. What I think we want to avoid is having standards or regulation passed without a full understanding of how AI is actually deployed, what potential issues that any sort of regulatory approach is trying to solve. Because if that happens, there is a real risk that innovation could be stifled and that the regulation will overshoot its mark and have unintended consequences that would hurt innovation and I think make uh, everyone worse off by stopping AI from being deployed in ways that are truly beneficial. So with that, we are gonna wrap up. There's much more going on in the US and around the world. And we could talk for a long time about the various substantive issues and go into more depth. And we at Wiley Ryan have extensive experience working with intergovernmental organizations, including the OECD and the G20 and the ITU, and with the US government and its international policy engagement and other regional and national governments. We also deal extensively with NIST, the FTC, and contacts throughout the executive branch. We'll be keeping an eye out on these developments. Definitely reach out for further information and watch for further information from us. If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during our podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.